Here at In My Own Words, I usually open my episodes with a quick headline or one-liner about the films I'm discussing, or perhaps a joke, maybe even a blooper. But this episode is far more intense in the topics I will be discussing. So instead, I wanted to make sure that the audience was made aware of this discussion. Today we are talking about five very intense and disturbing films. For that reason, I wanted to give you a warning that there will be explicit content discussed in this podcast. It includes discussion of the following topics, child abuse, extreme violence, child sexualization, pedophilia, rape, and graphic animal abuse. If any of these topics upsets you or particularly is unpleasant or brings about any kind of bad memories, do not listen. This is not intended to cause harm. This is intended to be a discussion of a certain genre of film. If you are new to In My Own Words, I would suggest listening to any other episode that I have, because this might not be the best introduction to what I do here. Or... Maybe you want to proceed. You're used to this content and you'd like to hear my thoughts on it. Spoiler alert, they're not good. Anyway, you've been warned and this episode will be marked explicit. I would suggest that if you are a child or sensitive to these topics, please do not listen. Now, without further ado, here's the disturbing episode. on Netflix is causing major controversy today. It's really sparked outrage and calls for a boycott. It's frankly disgusting. They are making money by selling the sexual exploitation of young kids, and so I asked the Attorney General to investigate them because federal law makes it a crime. It is a felony to distribute child pornography. However, what is this routine? What are these shots? I can't even show you the routine. My channel would go down in flames. I don't want to show you them. There is a lot of in this movie that is so unnecessary to drive the point home. You know, the movie is trying to pull, the movie is pointing all this out as bad. But like I said earlier, you don't have to do, you don't have to, if your whole goal is let's not sexualize young children and then 50% of your movie's execution is therefore sexualizing young children, aren't you basically committing a level of hypocrisy that you preach against? Sexualization of children is a serious issue and it's an issue that needs to be taken seriously. This film, however well-intentioned, um, I think it falls far short of the mark because in the process of trying to make the point, it actually ends up doing exactly what they are claiming to critique. Happy Halloween, everybody. Here's an episode that's going to make you sad. I'm sorry, let me start over. My name's Wes Young, and this is In My Own Words, the final word in media. Here, if you're new, go somewhere else, listen to another episode, please. But if you are choosing to proceed and you are new to In My Own Words, what I do is I share, well, my thoughts and feelings, and I express myself. Through this podcast, we're discussing disturbing films, and we're looking at it through a certain critique today. 
the main topic, the headline topic, is a film that America hated for a little bit, and the internet exploded, and then everyone just forgot because of this little presidential election or something. But if you remember a month ago, a film by the name of Mignonais, I don't know, I don't speak French, as it is known in America, Cuties. This film was released on Netflix to a flurry of controversy. Controversy that easily could have been swayed or used in a different direction. Now, before we get into this movie and the four other films I've picked, I want to go on record saying I do not support the movie Cuties. I did not watch the movie Cuties. And I find its production, distribution, and ideation morally repugnant, so I might be a little bit biased. I think anything revolving around the topic of child sexual abuse must be handled in, well, a correct way, a more tasteful way. Cuties did not handle it in that manner. Cuties had a message, and that message was a baseball. It threw that baseball at your head, kicked you in the stomach, and then said, now, don't you know that Baseballs are bad? Well, yes, but you hit me over the head with it, and I don't feel good anymore. We'll get into how its message could have been better portrayed, better expressed. We'll get into all of that and in my four main points. But let's start off with the big red flag. I did not watch this film, and I want to go on record saying I have not personally watched any of the films we are discussing today. I like to hold myself to a certain standard. When I critique a film or when I talk about the film, I should watch it. I've gone out of my way in episodes past to make sure I see the films I am discussing. If it's a TV show or something I've not completed entirely, I usually will make a quick words of it, simply expressing my feelings without any real deep dive into its message. Cuties, however, will never be played in my home. Neither will any of these movies, unless under the right circumstance, and I'll get to why they are in a other category, though they may contain what you consider worse content. Cuties' production is incredibly different from that of the latter films, mainly because it breaks the barrier of fiction by actually portraying the very content it is against. So you may ask yourself, how do I have authority to talk about what is in these films? That is because I have several sources that I pull a lot of research from when it comes to varying lenses to look at films through. Several YouTubers have watched all of Cuties and discussed it, as well as several news commentators that I listen to throughout my time, so I've gotten several different viewpoints on Cuties and the content within it. Uh, a major help was a YouTuber by the name of MrGG, and another one by the name of Some Ordinary Gamers. Those two combined create a very rounded picture because they both decided to watch the film or discuss just the marketing, and they were able to fill out some of the gaps that I had when it came to that content. And for the rest of these films, there is one YouTuber by the name of Spooky Rice, 
who has content dubbed Disturbing Breakdowns, in which he spends about 20 minutes summarizing the events of disturbing films. He's incredibly good at it because he takes horrible content and turns it into a more palatable experience. Often, he's able to interlace jokes with the content, which cuts the tension of the intense experience that some of these films offer. Hopefully, I can provide that today. And I want to go on record again stating that these are horrible films, and I don't want anyone taking any jokes or cavalier statements I may make regarding these intense topics as an agreement with the content. Simply think of it as morose humor or gallows humor to lighten the mood. Because my goodness, if you let these films fester in your head, that is not a good way to go into the weekend or to begin Halloween. So what exactly is in the content of Cuties? It follows an 11-year-old Muslim immigrant girl whose parents are devout conservative Muslims. Her father, in fact, who is not present in the film, is traveling to another country to get a second wife. Her mother is extremely conservative and tries to instill in her 11-year-old rebellious daughter the moral and ethical ideals of their faith. In an effort to rebel, this 11-year-old girl joins a dance group of provocative 11-year-old dancers. Now, if you read the original Netflix description before they edited the description, it's stated that they're a twerking group. Twerking, an incredibly sexualized dance, most likely should not be done by 11-year-olds. This film does contain elements of that message to reinforce it, and it does provide a provocative lens to evoke these discussions, like the rest of the films on this list. However, when your thesis is that 11-year-olds should not be placed in a situation in which they are sexualized, it is probably best to not subjugate your audience to actual child exploitation. Also to think of the fact that the 11-year-old actors were put under that kind of scrutiny is egregious at best. You see, the camera will hover over various sexualized shots and get very close to many uh, crotch, rear end, uh, the chest area. It's way too uncomfortable. And in order to present a message about how evil child exploitation is, and then to just show it and to actually do it to the young actors that were used in the film, that's horrible. That, that completely backfires on your message. Now, how do you remedy that? First of all, don't be an idiot. Don't hire children to play that role. 
simply hire young-looking actors like the rest of the world does. This director obviously wanted to make a statement and clearly wanted to make a stir. Use the controversy to fuel views. There's no way around that. You can say that it's art, you can say that it is an important message, but you don't have to actually perform the act for it to be an important message. If that were true, hardcore pornography would be a true, genuine display of love, and not porn. You see, by actually performing the act, forcing the actors to no longer be pretending, it removes the veneer which allows for any kind of critique. You're simply perpetrating the act. This would be similar to Quentin Tarantino actually shooting a man on set. Just so we all understood, oh, murder is wrong, violence is bad. No. Quentin Tarantino uses gratuitous special effects, sometimes using violence as a punchline, but his films never got this kind of controversy, did they? They might get the normal levels of controversy with their coarse language or maybe graphic fictionalized violence. But he never actually cut a man's ear off in the film Reservoir Dogs. That's a bit much. The closest he ever got was when Leonardo DiCaprio smashed a glass in his hand in Django Unchained. And even that wasn't morally divisive. It was an accident on set that Leonardo DiCaprio was able to act through. There was no accident on the set of Cuties. This was all very intentional and very well thought out. There was no mistake, and the 11-year-old girls in the cast were legally not able to consent to these actions. Now, uh, have you know I'm not familiar with adult consent laws in France, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say that 11-year-old girls, even in France, cannot consent to be in a film. They would need a guardian of some sort to sign off, which means these 11-year-old girls' parents knew what was going on, saw what was happening on set, and signed off on it. I can't realistically see parents doing that, but then again, it's on the other side of the world. It's a different culture. And I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, well, of course it's all right, it's just France. No, I'm pretty sure that even in France... This was provocative and a bit much, and a little gross. However, let's talk about how this content could have been handled better with an American film with very similar disgusting topics. A film called Happiness, released in 1998, handles intense sexual scenarios and intense sexual content. This film follows three sisters who are seeking happiness in romantic relationships. One sister can't find the right guy and is continually harassed on the phone by Philip Seymour Hoffman. Not in character. It's a character, but that's the actor. And he does a great job playing a total weirdo who calls her up and describes horrible sexual acts he wants to perform on her while performing similarly horrible sexual acts on himself. 
one of the sisters, is an erotic thriller writer who starts to believe that her depictions of rape might not just be fiction in her head, but rather suppressed memories. And then finally, you have the sister whose life seemingly is all okie-dokie. Everything's perfect. She has a wonderful husband who loves her and two beautiful children. Well, her life falls apart as it is revealed that her husband is a predatory pedophile who not only does indeed rape two children in the movie, but also is discovered by their son's classmates. Now, of course, these scenes of horrible child abuse are not played out on screen. And there's your first clue to what cuties could have done better. Maybe not display what you're talking about. Now, these scenes, interestingly enough, were filmed with actual child actors around the adult actor. Nothing happened in these scenes, of course, except uh, one scene in which the child was in the car and the father character had his arm around that child. However, there was nothing inappropriate on screen. Now, one could argue that some of the uh, dialogue acted with some of the child actors in the film was a bit intense. However, nothing genuinely happened on screen, or genuinely happened in real life in the production of this movie, that crosses the same lines that Cuties does. Now, this was in 1998, and it wasn't exactly a harsh, restrictive, censorious environment, but it still was not where we are today. So, could happiness be made today and still be just as controversial? Yes. Come on. Obviously, it's still controversial. The content in it is incredibly disturbing. However, in the production or in the display of content, it never actually showed the children being sexualized. Whereas in the film Cuties, throughout there is sexualization of actual minors on display in your home. So, how does happiness portray this? How did happiness market its insanely disturbing content? Well, that's simple. It marketed itself as a disturbing film meant for adults. How did Cuties market itself? The trailer, if you saw it, I don't suggest you watch it if you have not, is marketed with the upbeat attitude of a coming-of-age story. And it definitely has the feel of a movie intended for children. Nowhere in the marketing is it advertised as some kind of brooding tale of how horrible child sexualization is and how the media is corrupting the youth. Though that is the alleged message of the film, that's not in the forefront, and that's not advertised. What's advertised is one young girl's rebellion from her religiously constrictive parents. And now that's a good thing. And that's where the marketing fails. Saying that this graphic sexualization of a minor is a good thing. I shouldn't have to say that's not a good thing. So how do other films handle this marketing? 
Let's talk about one film whose marketing was controversial and whose content also highly controversial to this day. Let's talk about Stanley Kubrick's A Clockwork Orange. A Clockwork Orange came out in the year 1971 by the director Stanley Kubrick based on the novel of a dystopian, horribly violent future in Britain. Uh, the plot pretty much revolves around a, a gang of horribly violent teens. Uh, the main character is obsessed with violence, loves it, and loves the idea of breaking into people's homes and beating them senseless. He's captured by the police, and he goes through rigorous psychological aversion therapy experiments, in which he watches violent content while playing his favorite kind of music, and he is abused by the doctors, until he reaches a point where he no longer wants the classical music that he liked, and he no longer wants to commit horrible atrocities, like beating a man with his cane so bad that he breaks his legs, and then raping his wife. Now that scene in which that happens is one of the most infamous and controversial scenes in cinema history. Because it doesn't cut away, it shows everything. Now, similar to Cuties, it does show the content in order to elicit a visibly upset response from the viewers. Oddly enough, it is performing the exact acts that the psychologists later perform on our main character, this aversion therapy to make someone uncomfortable with violence. However, what happens to the character happens to the audience. By the end of the film, you're no longer upset with such horrible violence being perpetuated. You, in fact, are numb to it, which is what happens to the main character in the film because of the effect of the therapy. This is a statement on government control in a dystopian future, and there are a lot of elements that can be explored with a deep dive into just that film. And Stanley Kubrick is very good at eliciting the correct emotion that he wants from his audience. However, that didn't stop the film from getting in trouble with its own marketing. In fact, the poster was banned in Ireland because it contained two words that were problematic. It contained the phrase rape and ultraviolence. These two words had to be omitted in Ireland because of certain content laws. Yet again, this film marketed itself as an incredibly violent and deviant film intended to show the horrors of a society left to rot by a negligent government. Cuties was intended to show the horror of a society left to rot by negligent parents and a fractured familial system, which leads to the internet raising children. Both show problematic outcomes, and both have an ending hinting that the character could be redeemed. Clockwork Orange, more debatable, but probably not. The Clockwork Orange does end with heavily hinting that the character is just numb to violence and just as depraved as ever, whereas Cuties ends with the girl deciding to uh, not be a religious zealot or be uh, a, a sexual performer, instead desiring to live the life of an average little girl. 
So does that ending redeem Cuties? No, no, because you see, Cuties was marketed terribly. In fact, the controversy that really kicked off the whole Cuties debacle was the poster that Netflix decided to release. The controversial poster did not show young girls realizing the horror of their actions and how they've really lost a piece of their humanity by selling their bodies at such a young age. No, instead it shows them scantily clad in very revealing outfits. This poster was displayed large on Netflix home screen. Something interesting about that distribution, we're going to get to the distribution later and really the very problematic distribution issues is that A Clockwork Orange was rated X originally and could not be shown in theaters. Stanley Kubrick had to tone down some of the sexual violence, trimmed just 30 seconds of his film off, however, it got an R rating. This R rating allowed it to be shown in theaters, in which there are several points where underage viewers were restricted. The public theater allowed for a very public experience. Cuties was distributed directly into the living room of every single person who had a Netflix account. It could be accessed easily by anybody. And Netflix, of course, would say if you have kids, they shouldn't be free reign surfing Netflix anyway. Well, yeah. But how about you have a child, live around a child, and then just tell a child, hey, if you are anywhere around the TV, click the kids button. I trust you to do it. Children aren't going to do that. Kids aren't going to do that. Teenagers aren't going to do that. And what about men similar to the character in Happiness? What about deviants who have a Netflix account? Well, there's no way to track that. I'm sure Netflix could, but will Netflix release that? No, they would never. They don't release their streaming data. And there's no way to prove anything. It could have just been on repeat. There's no way to know. You see, the distribution is an incredibly murky territory. And we're going to get to how Netflix really ran into a snag with distribution. You see, the fact that it is immediately in everyone's living room is very different than the director having to climb hurdles just to get it in a theater with an R rating. There's a certain amount of gatekeeping that restricts the audience to these disturbing films. Cuties, however, had none and completely failed in that area. But what disturbing film did better with distribution? What horrible piece of garbage from the mind of one of the world's most depraved creators actually understood how to distribute such vile garbage. I would like to introduce you to the world of The Human Centipede 2. I don't need to tell you what The Human Centipede is. I don't want to tell you. I don't want this to exist, and it does. This thing, this horrible, horrible concept exists in our world. Why? Why? Who? Why? What have we done to deserve this thing even existing? I didn't deserve it. Here it is, in front of us. 
We have to acknowledge it. It's a real thing. Ugh. Anyway, the Human Centipede 2 takes great pride in the fact that it pushes every boundary known to humanity. And it displays almost every horrible, disgusting topic that you could imagine. Just let your mind go to terrible places, and that's in this movie. And of all the films on this list, that's the last one I want to see. The Human Centipede 2 not only looks like hot garbage, it has a really annoying black and white art house look and is just terribly grimy. Everything looks dirty. I, ugh, I just don't want to see it. I don't want to ever see it. And I hate that I had to see clips of it. Human Centipede 2 follows a person who wants to make a human centipede. And that's all I'm going to go into. How did it handle its distribution? Well, director Tom Six stated in 2010 that he was working on the sequel to the first Human Centipede, as well as maybe a third film, which didn't happen. He said that the plot is going to be similar to the first film, but the centipede is going to have more people. And it's going to have that nice tagline that he wants. 100% medically inaccurate. So, there you go. You can tell that the director likes to push a boundary just for shock comedy. And he even throws that 100% medically inaccurate on there. It is tongue-in-cheek body horror. And is intended to be, though incredibly disturbing, kind of silly kind of uh, just over the top to the point of ludicrousness. This film was marketed and distributed as an incredibly disturbing, messed up film on purpose. It was used as a gimmick. It was used to be known for how extreme it is. In fact, in the premiere, uh, the distributor IFC Films gave out barf bags to the screening as a way to really amp up the audience for how horrendous the content of this film is going to be. In other words, it's a joke. Of course, many countries around the world censored this film. It never got an official theatrical release. In fact, it got some midnight showings and was released on DVD. You see, it is a bit much. It, it crosses the lines. And it's not very good at a 29% on Rotten Tomatoes, which I don't cite Rotten Tomatoes because Rotten Tomatoes is, is a garbage website for garbage people. It's simply an aggregate of other people's opinions. I don't, I don't care about what other people think. I care about what I think. And that's why I am the final word in media that is hear it in my own words. Make sure you subscribe. But Rotten Tomatoes is at 29% because the critics think it's just trash, which is all it is. It's trash. Distributed, however, in a way that makes it intentional for you to view it. Cuties, during the height of the controversy, landed number one and sometimes number four in America because everyone wanted to see what the fuss was about. As a result, when my wife and I turned on the television and we wanted to watch some Office reruns, 
We were greeted to the trailer of cuties. We were greeted to sexualized dancing of children. We were unable to consent to watching that garbage. And unfortunately, that's how it was for many millions of Americans and millions more across the world. That is not okay. <laughs> to, to put it in, in very basic terms, that's not. You see, I was never greeted by number one movie in America, The Human Centipede 2, and then shown the terrible content in that movie. No, I, I never was forced to see it. In fact, just for this podcast, I had to watch the summary on Spooky Rise, and even that was a bit much to get through. It was a 10-minute video with jokes throughout, and it was hard to get through. I can't imagine seeking this film out for 90 minutes of just... I mean, honestly, I can't imagine watching it because it's just a bad film. It's just not made well. It's made like a joke, and as a result, it even, even though it is shocking... And, and grotesque, it's not like it would hold my attention. You, you know, it's it's like those 70s slasher films that were more exploitative in nature than narrative. And it's just kind of like, yeah, yeah, there's horrible violence, there's blood everywhere, but it doesn't mean anything. At a certain point, too much is numbing. And I think that's what we can take away from that major issue. Now, I've touched on our final point here, which is the production of this film and the problematic nature of using actual children. So this is your final warning before we get into the comparative piece that I will be using. This movie contains animal abuse. And if that's upsetting, just skip ahead and you won't have to hear this part. Now, Cannibal Holocaust. This film came out in 1980 and was marketed uh, as a rather exploitative film, but it was marketed so that no one would accidentally watch Cannibal Holocaust. It's your stereotypical cannibal movie, a bunch of naive teenagers thinking they're going to save some indigenous tribe, end up becoming the victims of this tribe. Now, a major point in the film is that uh, the teenagers end up provoking the tribe to kill them, and it's due to their lack of cultural understanding. And that's the ultimate message of the film, a very 1970s, 1980s-esque message. However, there are several scenes in which, on site, the actors did graphically kill animals, and it was used in the movie. Real animals were used for these scenes. And it got itself a nice bit of controversy for that. That film really had some issues because a lot of the issues were how real it was. Uh, the tribe that they used suffered a lot of injuries. Uh, they actually ended up burning down a bit of the forest they were in. It was really problematic. And, uh, but the major issue was the animal abuse. Because what's that nice little tagline, no animals were harmed in the making of this film? Well, even in 1980, it was seen as a, a very negative, maybe even taboo, to actually kill animals on screen. In fact, a lot of people even accuse the film of being an actual snuff film. 
in which they actually killed people. Now, that was false. They never actually killed people. Uh, they even had to get the actor to show up <laughs> and prove that he was alive uh, because they, they marketed it as being more realistic than fiction. Now, was that an issue? Yes. Were they in trouble for that? Yes. Did it... Did those problems mar that film? Yes, it did, in fact, because that film was had restricted viewing and it limited the exposure of that film because of the moral problems of killing animals on screen for entertainment. In order to show how wrong it was, they actually did what they were saying was bad. As a result, they received punishment, hefty censorship, uh, long-lasting issues with that film because of the controversy stirred up by actually displaying it. Cuties actually displayed it, and it was not limited. In fact, it allowed the film to get a wider exposure because of that controversy. Now, a lot of these films did revel in their controversy, Clockwork Orange being a major one, they would use it to stir up drama. And that's not uncommon in Hollywood to use the extreme nature of some horrible content to draw eyes. That's Look at Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But using something such as child sexualization, that's disgusting, quite frankly. And I don't see how actually showing something that dark, that horrific, in today's day and age, could be beneficial. Why would you want your lasting legacy as a writer-director to be that you made a film that actively and illicitly displayed children being abused and viewed through that kind of lens? And just being on set just having a crew there to witness this is, is astounding. And I just don't get it. I just don't understand how that could be at all okay in someone's head. Now, to wrap up here, we're not going to cut to a, a funny commercial break or, or talk about some other film that somehow would relate to this. I think we all need a nice shower you know, and, and I need to go wash my mouth out with soap. Uh, I, I would love to just scrub my eyeballs and, and wipe those memories away. Because ultimately, what is the issue here? The issue is that reality stepped in. The issue here is that you can live in this world of fiction. And in an effort to draw eyeballs, you slowly make your fiction more and more real, well, guess what? Uh, reality hit back. You see, Netflix has already, in the state of Texas, received a nice little indictment and is going to be investigated for distributing sexually suggestive material involving minors under the age of 18. Uh, we have laws against that sort of thing and that sort of distribution. Which, you know, if Netflix gets in trouble for this, it's their own it's their own fault. I mean, you can't look at this and think, oh, this will be fine. That's definitely, let's do it. Let's beam this into everyone's home. A-OK. -okay. 
marketing execs had to look at this film, look at the production material, look at the poster that they decided to use. And quite frankly, maybe it's good that they get a nice little investigation. Maybe it's good that the government, with its incredibly long reach and incredibly powerful ability to punish, maybe it's good that they take a nice close look at those leading Netflix. I hope nothing worse comes of this, and, and I hope that ultimately everyone can learn a thing or two. Uh, really, uh, the message is quite simple. If you're going to make a movie, uh, don't sexualize minors, you idiots. And if you're going to make a movie with disturbing content, make sure you distribute and market it correctly. If you're going to make a film involving such intense topics, make sure everyone knows. Make sure they're well aware. If you've gotten to this point and you did not know what you were listening to, well, you clearly weren't listening. I made sure everyone, weeks leading up to the release of this episode, were well aware of the content I would be discussing. And at the beginning of this episode, I made sure everyone was well aware. Not in some kind of gimmick. In reality, I made sure everyone was aware that these topics are going to be talked about in a frank manner. Because I only want people who want to listen to this kind of stuff here. I don't want this to end up being heard by someone who shouldn't hear this. Someone who could get upset with this content. Well, if that's enough and, and you've had enough of the disturbing, I would rather go to something more spooky, something more Halloween related. Well... I'm releasing a Quick Words. It is out right now. Quick Words discussing Room 104. And remember, we got Halloween coming up. I don't know if you know what October 31st is, but it is the one-year anniversary of In My Own Words, and I've got something special. We've got some kind of Halloween theme. I'm not going to tell you what it is. It's, it, it's a spoopy surprise, so stick around. You're going you're gonna to really enjoy it. Make sure you follow me on Instagram at... In my own words, official. Make sure you follow me on Facebook as well, and you can send me an email to imowpodcast at gmail.com. Make sure you hashtag spread the word. This is your second reminder to hashtag spread the word. Stay tuned. I'm Wes Young, and this has been In My Own Words, the final word in media. Have a good weekend, everybody. Hey!